Welcome to another episode of Dugout Confessions with my man, Dennis Pelfrey of the San Francisco Giants. So you are with the AA Flying Squirrels, right? In, out of Richmond? Yeah, Richmond, Virginia. Yeah. Okay. And you've been there for two years. I, I saw that you signed in 2020, right? That was the year you were supposed to go. Yeah. So after the 2019 season uh, in Florence and in independent ball, um, got offered a job with the Giants. Uh, I guess right there, right before Thanksgiving, somewhere right in that area, early November. And uh, yeah, and then obviously went to spring training, did a, like a little early mini camp in January, spring training for like, I don't know, 10 days before COVID hit and shut everything down. And, um, you know, so I didn't really get to experience the 2020 season. I was supposed to be in uh, San Jose, which at the time was uh, in the California league was high, um, you know, for minor league baseball. And then 21, um, they moved to the Northwest league high A did. So instead of staying in San Jose, I went to Eugene, Oregon, uh, where the high A team was for the giants in 21 and then 22 went to Richmond and then just finished up this season in Richmond. So the 2020 year you did spend back at Florence, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, we did a little pod league there. With uh, it was a four-team league with uh, the Lexington, uh, Kentucky uh, franchise that's now independent ball as well. They, they used to be uh, a minor league affiliate, and then uh, you know when when they when Major League Baseball cut out some teams, they were they were one of those teams, and so they became an independent uh, market as well. And they ran two teams out of there, and we ran two teams out of Florence. They were about you know forty five minutes apart, so it worked out really well. In Kentucky at the time, we were allowed to have fifty percent fan base uh, in the stadium you know, with all the COVID restrictions and things like that. So it actually turned out to be a really good, really good summer. I mean, we played right at 40 games, 38 games, something like that. And I had a few of the Giants guys uh, come in and play. There were several uh, affiliated minor league players playing in the league. There was former big leaguers, Brandon Phillips played in the league. Um, it, it was a good competitive league. Does he still own that team? If I, like he bought the legends, right? I, if yeah, I'm not sure if he's the sole owner, but I think he does have, um, without, if I'm not mistaken, I think he does have a share in that uh, okay. Lexington franchise. Nice. Y'all ended up winning that the entire series, right? Yeah, the, yeah. So, uh, what, what do they I, call it? The Bourbon Classic or Battle of the Bourbon Trail? So okay. I guess it's a, a historic Bourbon Trail right there that yeah. runs through, you know, that part of Kentucky, and uh, so we called it the Battle of the Bourbon Trail, and um, that was actually where I, you know, invented the, uh, the sudden death tiebreaker rule that we implemented in that league as well. But yeah, I managed the, um, I managed the Florence freedom team. And then there was a Florence y'alls team. Cause they just went through a rebrand and new ownership and you know, that they were supposed to be the Florence y'alls in 2020, um, in which they are now. Um, so I ran the freedom team and then there was a Florence y'alls team managed by Brian White and then. Lexington had two teams, the Lexington Legends, and then I don't remember the other team's name, to be honest with you. But yeah, we did. We, we won it. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't remember. I, I briefly remember that, just trying to follow all that. Um, so before before Florence, uh, where were you and, and what was your playing career uh, before any indie ball, uh, you know, from high school to, to college? 
Yeah, I went to uh, Arlington Bowie High School in Arlington, Texas. Um, I went there from my sophomore year through my senior year. Played varsity all three years. Um, fortunate enough to get a, a scholarship to go to Northwood University, uh, which was in Cedar Hill, Texas, an NAIA school at the time. Um, we were independent, so no conference. We were in there with Dallas Baptist, who's now Division One, uh, Houston Baptist, who's Division One now also, uh, Oklahoma City, who's still pretty big-time powerhouse school. Um, so it was a really good uh, area and region for baseball. We always talked that, you know, our region was the best in NAIA baseball. So whoever out of our region went to the college or the NAIA World Series would, would end well, up winning. Well, you know, baseball is better in Texas. That's that's the way I feel, at least. So yeah. it, it's <laughs> always competitive. World. Yeah, you're right. You're right. There's really a lot of good talent, a lot of good players in Texas. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I always say, and I think you probably heard me say, it's the best country in the world. Hell yeah. Damn right. <laughs> Uh, so you played there for all four years or all four years? Was that like? Yeah, it was great. Uh, all four years at Northwood, my freshman year, I, I was kind of a role player off the bench, uh, as a freshman behind a shortstop. Uh, his name is Mike Bouton, who ended up getting drafted by the Diamondbacks. Um, and then, you know, basically my sophomore through senior year there at Northwood, everyday player at short or second, um, middle infield and leadoff hitter and put together, you know, some really good seasons and um you know i felt like you know i should have been drafted and obviously at that time it wasn't uh you know the, the internet wasn't quite what it is now and yeah. social media definitely wasn't around and um you know so I, you know i didn't get uh, an opportunity in affiliated baseball so i immediately started going to independent tryouts and <clears throat> i knew nothing about independent baseball which a lot of people probably don't still to this day um but i wanted to keep playing and uh, so I went to a tryout at the Astrodome, the old uh, Houston Astros, oh, wow. and uh, and I got picked to come back the second day. And I remember one of the scouts telling me there that you know, hey, you should be you should be playing. I'm like, yeah, sign me. I'll, I'll go for a plane ticket or whatever. And uh, so right there in front of me, he called uh, an independent manager that he knew. His name was Eddie Dennis. Um, <clears throat> he was managing in Rio Grande Valley, down in South Texas, down by uh, uh, in Harlingen, Texas, down by South Padre Island. And, uh, he asked me, you know, when I could be there. And I said, I can be there tomorrow. So, um, I went down <clears throat> first, I drove back from Houston to the Dallas area, which is about four hours and packed up everything I owned and drove, you know, nine, 10 hours down to Harlingen and, uh, tried out the next day with three or four other shortstops because he needed a shortstop. So, you know, it wasn't even a spot at the time. It was just a, basically a tryout. Um, and I performed really well that day and he signed me and I, I started in the game that night. So, um, it was, it was pretty incredible, uh, for me anyway, and not really knowing what was going on, but I was going to get a paycheck for playing baseball and, um, <clears throat> which was, you know, incredible. And I ended up playing six more years or six total years in independent baseball. So what was, uh, yeah, the, the whole independent thing, I, you know, it's something that's like you said, you said it yourself, like. I don't think people really know or under, or understand the the type of talent that is there or the opportunities that are there. Uh, I, I can only assume like back. I mean, what what year was that? Nineteen ninety nine was my rookie okay. year. <laughs> what kind of car were you driving then? I had a uh, a, a nineteen ninety Ford uh, Escort, which is like a little hatchback Ford. Okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you packed so. everything in that and, 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 you know, went your way. Went uh, my way. Man, 
it's there's something in that in, in just like packing your stuff and leaving and just you know not looking back and i'm sure you could say today you know where you're at now is just one of those things that you you don't take for granted like you you really you look back and just appreciate that not only somebody you know took that chance on you uh, yeah i mean but you it, took that leap yeah it, it's you know looking back on it now it's like man that was it's kind of crazy i've done some other stuff too to get to where i'm at now but like you know you think about it now when when you talk to players or different people you know there, there's a lot of questions and you know probably some of the questions i probably should have asked were you know hey where am i going to stay you know, how much I'm going to get paid. And it was really none of that. I mean, it was literally a two minute phone call with a guy asked when I could be there. And I said tomorrow and, um, and I was gone and, and without knowing the area, knowing what was, you know, ahead of me, hadn't, I've never been to that area of Texas before. Um, back then there wasn't GPS on the phones either. So it was like road Atlas trying to figure it out and just yeah. wanted to play. And, you know, <clears throat> you miss out on a lot of things too. Like, you know, you never want to be, you know, Hey, I need to go to this funeral or this wedding and cause you don't want to lose your job. And, um, and I'm sure a lot of those things happen now, you know, in today's world as well. But, um, you know, too many times I think, you know, people are, are trying to make decisions, you know, based on information, which is, is a good thing sometimes, but sometimes that information, there's a lot of different pros and cons and it's hard to, mm-hmm to make decisions or sacrifices on what you're trying to accomplish. And for me, it was, I I wanted to keep playing baseball and, you know, I was going to sacrifice whatever it was. You know, I, I left this apartment that I was in, you know, and I probably still, still owe some money to that to this day from, you know, basically breaking the lease to, uh, to go pursue it and not knowing what I was going to make, but I knew I was going to have a chance to make a little bit of money doing it. And I just wanted to see what the experience was about. So throughout that, Six years, you said, right? It was six. Six years, yeah. Uh, so, did did any did you get any bites on on any affiliated teams wanting to pick you up, or was it talks? Anything? I heard rumors. Um, you know, one year. So after my rookie year, I uh, during that season I signed with an agent, which was which was pretty cool at the time, and he got me um, just a couple tryouts in the Frontier League at the time. Um, so I was like, yeah, let's do it. So I drove to. Uh, to Huntingburg, Indiana for a, uh, for a tryout. And, you know, it was kind of an exclusive one. It was a friend of a friend type tryout. So I had a, a leg up on some people, but I ended up making the club there and, um, you know, just, you know, figuring it out and, and I'm going to, I'm going to play. So we ended up playing and it was a whole different experience of a better league at the time, more established league, um, which, you know, comes into play a lot, especially when you're talking independent baseball. So, um, you know, it just got to where I was just, I wanted to experience things and try different things and and just see. So anyway, long story short, I, you know, that, that season was okay for me. And then the next year was a a decent season, a really good, you know, team season or whatever. But then going into my fourth season, um, while I was playing, I was actually coaching at the college I went to as well to make a little extra money in the off season and, be able to work out to to prepare for my season um both of our catchers happened to get hurt in the fall so i started catching inter-squad games and i was like man I, I love this i love catching like it's it's a really cool position and at that time too you could still run the catchers over and the, 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 those things like uh-huh. that so 
I got to see the whole field and control the game. And yeah. so I called my manager, Greg Taggart. Um, I said, I'm coming in this season as a catcher. And he kind of laughed. And I said, if you're not going to give me an opportunity to catch, then, you know, I want to, I want to try to go somewhere else. And, uh, <clears throat> because I felt like that was a way for me to get a shot. So, so he decided to let me come in and catch. And <clears throat> I think he had, I don't know, eight catchers in spring training that year. So oh, wow. he wasn't too confident in me being able to do it. And I ended up being our opening day catcher, made the all-star team that year. And, <clears throat> you know, right at that time, right before the all-star game, I heard rumors that, you know, a couple major league teams were there to see me play. And I was leading the league and stolen bases at the time as a catcher and throwing out, you know, an ungodly amount of runners. I was just playing really well, um, Mm -hmm. swinging the bat really well. And just heard rumors, never talked to a scout or anything like that, but that was the closest I felt. And then, uh, you know, two days before the all-star game and I was going to be the starting all-star catcher that year, uh, got into a collision and broke my collarbone. So, oh, uh, basically I ended up playing the last, no, three weeks of the season, but just basically as a DH, but, uh, that kind of squashed all those rumors and everything after that. Uh, while you were playing, I, I know you, you mentioned that you were coaching at your, uh, at, was it a high school? Where, where was it? No. At Northwood University, the college. Oh, you were coaching there. Okay. You were yeah. student assistant or volunteer assistant? Kind of like that. I, I was getting paid, uh-huh. getting paid decent too, to be an assistant coach. And yeah. myself and uh, one another assistant who was trying to play as well, uh, independent ball, we basically ran ran the team. Uh, Pat Malcheski was the head coach, and he just kind of let us do our thing. We had really no idea what we were doing um, other than, you know, Pat Malcheski, you know, loved – our mentality, my mentality, I guess, and how we went about our business and uh, the expectations we had for the players and kind of just let us, let us run with it. And it was, it was a really great experience at the time. And now looking back on it, it was very, um, very detrimental in what, you know, I was to become as a coach. Uh, it was very important for me to, to build that foundation and, mm-hmm. and be able to have I don't want to necessarily call it control, but have a say in what was going on instead of being told what to do and just do that. Right. So, yeah, which I think is very important for, for all coaches and, and even players to be able to kind of free it up and be yourself a little bit. Yeah. That's one of the most difficult things. Uh, you know, I've kind of the, the little bit of coaching at college level, I, you know, I've had two experiences and one of them was, I felt that experience that you're talking about being able to, you know, be myself, coach how I want to coach, uh, while also, you know, just mixing in with the culture of, of whatever we have. And then my most recent opportunity, it just, I didn't feel that as much. And, um, it is difficult, man. It's difficult to, to enjoy it. I mean, that's ultimately you, you still want to enjoy the game and, you know, feel like you're, you're being useful, you know? Yeah have an impact, right? Like exactly. Yeah. That's, that's the term that I use a lot. Like when I interviewed for the giants, like I, I just want a job where I feel like you're going to let me have an impact, mm-hmm. you know, good or bad. Like it could be bad, but at least allow me to have that impact. And if it's not good, then, then let me go. But mm-hmm. you know, if you don't feel as a coach and I'm sure you felt this way. If you're not having an impact positive or negative, it just feels like you're going through the motions and waiting for the, the clock to, to end for yeah. the day. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, you know, the, the coaching side of things, there's a, 
I wouldn't say there's a huge difference in, in playing. Obviously, like now you have a different role. It's just trying to, you know, now now you're player focused and not so much like because as a player, I feel like everyone's result oriented, right? Like they're just looking at results. If they're not putting up their results, things go bad, you know, mentally. And they're only you kind of consume yourself with yourself. So how is the transition going from playing to coaching for you? You know, I think that um, for me, it was, it was pretty easy because like I always had the, the team first mentality type thing, I guess you call it, um, you know, where, you know, as a player, you know, I did some things with like eye black on my face that was different than everybody else's. And I drew a lot of attention to myself because I wanted all the attention on me opposed to my teammates to where, you know, I can handle a lot of different things. And, you know, back then when pitchers would throw at you on purpose and some of those things. And, you know, I thought about it like that where I wanted the attention. So the guys on my team didn't have to have any of that and just play. And I think that, you know, it's always been for me, you know, a team first thing. So Mm -hmm. my numbers and, things like that really didn't matter as much as winning games. And, you know, I felt like as players, if we could be more concerned about the guy next to you or the guys next to you opposed to yourself, it makes it a little easier for you to perform as well. And that's just kind of how I always thought. And, you know, I wanted people to follow that lead with me and, um, you know, I wanted to go to war every day with, with my teammates and, you know, whatever happens, happens. And, so I think, you know, going into the coaching side, it, it's it's hard for a lot of players to do. Um, but for me, you know, after that sixth year of playing, I, you know, I tried to play a couple more seasons after I broke my collarbone and it just wasn't the same. And I could really kind of self-evaluate and say that, you know what, it's just not going to happen for me as a player, but I still want to go to the big leagues. So the next best thing is to do it as a coach and, mm-hmm. you know, to see what I can offer for for some of these guys. And I didn't really – understand that role when I was coaching at the college while I was playing because in all honesty I wanted to win while we were there and I wanted to help those guys get better because that's the only way we were going to win but I also used it as a as a tool for myself to get myself ready to go perform for my season and so definitely a little torn there from you know trying to help those guys to make sure I can help myself and you know having to work a couple jobs you know, outside that valley parking cars, delivering pizzas, whatever it was. So it was, it was a lot of hours and a lot of time. And I had to really be good at um, separating those times and making sure that I gave enough to the players at the, at at Northwood and then myself and obviously all the other responsibilities I had. But, um, but no, I think, I think it was pretty easy for me, you know, once I became a coach full time, um, because I just, you know, as a player, I just use that coaching as, like I said, a stepping stool. Uh, but once I was done playing, I actually got away from baseball for a couple of years, worked in the construction business um, as a project engineer. One of the coaches, one of the kids that I coached at Northwood, his dad owns a big com- big time company in uh, Dallas, offered me a job. And I said, I, you know, I have no idea what I'm doing. He's like, oh, don't worry. You'll be fine. You were, you're a good coach. So you'll be fine. And so I got to learn a lot for a couple of years there, sent me to Miami, built you know, a couple of high rises and it was, it was really cool, really good experience, but, um, you know, I was always missing something with the baseball, right? So baseball kind of grabs a hold of you. And, uh, you know, I talk about it as like a, it's like a girl you're in love with. It doesn't love you back. She just likes you. So, you know, it's, uh, 
and she can be really good to you sometimes and sometimes not. So, uh, but it's one of those things I just wanted to, to get back into baseball. And so I applied for a high school, you know, teaching coaching job and, uh, at South Grand Prairie high school in Texas here. And, and I got offered the job there. So tried that out for a little bit and I absolutely loved it. I actually loved the teaching part of it. Uh, I taught a business computer class for nine years. I did it. Um, and that's where I really kind of fell in love with the, the coaching side of it and really helping players get better and, uh, and seeing how that, that coincides with winning. And I think, you know, South Grand Prairie, you can probably look it up there. They haven't been really good for a long time. And then, mm-hmm. you know, when I stepped in there, we started going two, three rounds deep in the playoffs every year, which hadn't happened there. Um, and they're still performing at a high, high level right now. So we created a good culture there and, um, you know, I brought in some guys like, you know, Chad Rhodes and some of these really good baseball guys, uh, to help with that. And, you know, I ran the entire program from, you know, varsity all the way down to freshman. And it was a really cool experience, but again, leaving me with, you know, what more could I do? And mm-hmm. I've always been that type of person, like I'm not necessarily looking for the grass to be greener on the other side, but I want to see how good I am. And, yeah. uh, so you know, during that time frame, coaching at the high school, I talked to Greg Taggart about, you know, being a hitting coach for him in Gary, Indiana in independent ball, because I could do both of those things. Um, it would, it was a very tough juggling act, but I could do it. So, um, for the last four years while I was coaching in high school, I was going to coach in the summer for, uh, for Gary, the Gary South Shore Railcats and uh, the American association, another independent league. And, uh, you know, basically told Greg Taggart, Hey, I'm going to give you five years and I'll do the best I can. But if I don't become a manager after that, then I'm just going to settle on being a high school baseball coach slash teacher. And so, you know, cause that was a tough time. Like I'm, you know, at the end of the school year, I'm flying up to Gary on Thursdays and coaching yeah. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, flying back on Monday, missing Fridays and Mondays of school. And, you know, trying to balance all that. And then obviously the beginning of the school year too, cause they both overlap. Um, so it was tough, a tough time for, you know, myself, my wife. And, uh, I remember going into that fifth season, we were in the middle of our, you know, high school season in 2000, I don't know, 13, 14. I can't remember. Yeah. No, 2000, it was getting ready to be 2015. So it was the 14, 15 school year. And, uh, in December, um, Florence flew me up there for an interview and offered me the job on the spot. So I flew home and talked to my wife about it and uh you know she's like do it follow you so obviously for her to be able to say that was was huge too because you know being a teacher i was making teacher and a coach i was making probably 60 65 grand for the year plus this which was pretty good or whatever and then you know my first year managing in florence was 30 grand no benefits so um she was all about it she didn't hesitate and so neither did i and i just took the job and you know, basically gave a two week notice to the school. We were in the middle of our season and had a booster club parent meeting and told them that I was leaving, but they all knew that that was what I wanted to do. So, um, you know, there was no hard feelings or anything like that from anybody, but it was just something where I felt like, you know, I couldn't really do anything more in the same thing, you know, in yeah. Florence after five seasons, you know, we were sending the most guys to affiliate baseball. We were winning. Um, so after that 2019 season, when you're there, I said, I just, I sent out a text to Kyle Haynes, who, who, uh, who's the farm director for the giants. And I said, Hey, uh, cause I actually coached him and his brother, who's a big league hitting coach for the pirates was actually 
my hitting coach, when he started his professional coaching career in independent ball. Um, so I knew the family a little bit. So I just yeah. reached out and said, Hey, if you know, you got anything open, I would love to talk about it. I feel like I'm ready and I want to, I want to see how good I am. And, uh, cause I don't know if there's anything more that I could do here in Florence. And, uh, you know, we talked for about a month and then obviously, you know, he offered me a job and I took it and it was hard leaving Florence. I really loved that place and loved what, what I built there, or what we built there. And, um, you know, to always have a special place in my heart, but that's, you know, really kind of how the path has gone so far. And, and it's going to be the same thing here too. I'm not going to spend, you know, 15 years in, in the minor leagues. Like I want to, I want to see how good I am and I want to coach the best and see if I'm yeah. any good. And if I'm not, that's okay. I can go do something else. But, you know, my goal is to, to make it to the big leagues as a coach and, and I want to win, you know, a world series and help players become the best they can be. Yeah, it's, as a, as a player or coach, you know, you don't ever want to just stick in one spot and just keep spinning your wheels because that's really when you start losing that interest and in, in trying to push forward. Uh, I mean, that's that from from the two years that I played with you or played for you, uh, obviously, like, obviously, <laughs> one thing's like for certain is that you throw the best BP, right? <laughs> the best BP. I'm sure you hear that all the time. Uh, Take but, a lot of pride. No, hell yeah. You, you got to man. Cause I think BP is one of the hardest things to do consistently and, and, and to let the hitters feel comfortable in the box is another thing. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. But you just, your mentality, like everything that you've said is just, I, I feel like has completely lined up with how I, viewed you as a coach and not only that like really an educator like you said like like that's why i believe you when you say you enjoyed teaching at the high school level because i feel like i mean i can remember so many small talks that we had where we're just sitting there just you know i'm just asking you questions or whatever and at least you're if you don't know the answer you're like well you know what i'll find out so like you know, that's that's something that I've tried to take on myself as a coach, as, you know, somebody that just wants to help people improve, help people get better. And it's funny that you said that earlier about, like, where you're at in your career, uh, where you, you know, took a couple years off. Because, like, I feel like I'm kind of, like, in that space right now because, you know, I'm not coaching right now and I'm just – I think I just need to take a step back a little bit and then reassess and then, uh, you know, take off from there. And at times I think we all need that. Right. And that yeah. may have, that may have helped you even more than a hundred percent. I mean, I think yeah. that it was because it's really easy to get burned out of the game and, you know, and, and again, when I took that job and decided not to play anymore, retired and, you know, it was, it was a thing where I was a little bit bitter at baseball for not getting that opportunity in affiliated baseball, because, you know, having to talk to friends and family and, you know, say, yes, I'm, I'm a professional baseball player. Oh, what team is it? And, and I'm like, well, it's this team. And they have to explain that over and over. It's not affiliated with a major league team, yeah. but it is minor league baseball. We get paid. It's almost identical to what minor league baseball is as far as every, how everything's ran. It's just different. And having to explain that. And, you know, it's just like, man, what am I doing with myself? And, you know, just grinding through this for what, and, you know, really kind of looking at myself thinking, you know, it's time for, for something new. And I thought it was a, an excellent reset for myself. Got to, 
you know, focus on other things other than baseball and trying to prepare myself physically and mentally to play. Um, and it, and it really does clear you up a little bit. And, and obviously I think what you're doing now too is, is probably even better because you're talking to people that are, you know, even not even necessarily maybe in baseball, but just doing some things and, and you get to kind of, you know, listen in and take pieces of what, you know, you've learned from coaches mm-hmm. myself when I was coaching you and maybe this podcast when we're talking and other people that you're talking to and then really kind of just figure it out. And once you figure it out, it really, it's like you're in this dark tunnel and, you know, you kind of see a light, but then all of a sudden it just kind of, everything opens up and it's like sunshine. It's like, Oh, this is what I need to be doing. This is what I feel good about. And it'll, ha- it'll happen for you. So. Yeah. I'm a believer in that, man. I, I just got to keep moving forward. And I mean, as we all do, right. We just got to keep moving, keep pursuing and, and keep looking for other avenues of, of growth knowledge wise and, and whatever it be. Um, yeah. So if there's one thing that like, or that you can take away and really put it into words of how you like, what's your perception of baseball and like, and how do you, let me see how I can word this. Like, I guess, how do you get confirmation of like, this is exactly what you need to do and you're in the the spot that you need to be like right now. Like, how do you, how do you figure that confirmation? You know, I think it's, it's, it's just a feeling like it's, it's just a gut feeling. I don't think there is an answer to that. And I think that that's what makes, makes life and makes baseball so beautiful is that you never know. You can, and you can never second guess. Like you can never, I mean, you can always second guess, but you can, you never know for sure. Like, you know, Hey, I pinch it for this guy. And he struck out. Well, if I wouldn't have pinched it for him, this guy would have, you don't know. You don't know what would have happened. And, and, and all you can, you know, all you can say is I made the move at the time where I thought this was it. Or as a player, like, hey, you know, I tried to drag bunt and popped it up. Maybe if I would have swung the bat, I would have, you know, got a hit. But you never know. You never know what can happen. And the same thing in life. You're always going to be filled with these choices, you know, every day. Do you, you know, when you get up, do you brush your teeth? Because it's a choice. And, you know, sometimes if you decide not to do that, then there's going to be consequences and it may not be that day, but your teeth are going to rot out at some point if you decide not to brush your teeth. Right. So I look at it like that. I think it's, you know, if I go to sleep at night and I'm, I'm happy with, you know, how things went that day, whether we won or lost, or, you know, whether I had a good day or bad day, you know, if I'm able to lay my head down at night and you know what, I've learned from what happened today in a good way or a bad way, and uh, tomorrow I'm going to, I'm going to pursue it in a little bit different direction, uh, or I might stay the same path, stay on the same path. And I think that's really all it can be for anybody. Right. I don't think there's a, there's a magic answer. And I think that's the problem, you know, with our society is, you know, you want an answer and you want it right now. Same thing for players now, like uh, hitting, well, what, you know, why am I popping everything up or swinging and missing on this pitch? Like tell me how to fix it right now. And it's like, yeah. well, it, it just doesn't happen that way. And I think that's what makes baseball so beautiful is, it's just like life because it's going to knock you down a lot. And are you willing to get back up? And did you learn from that, that mistake? And sometimes, sometimes you're just not good enough and that's okay too. And that, and that's something that you have to come to, to grips with. And that's for everybody, you know, everybody themselves have to come up with that conclusion, whether they are good enough or whether they want to keep doing what they're doing and, and see if they are good enough. And I think that, 
it's different for everybody and there's not really an answer. And I think that, you know, the way things that have turned out for me, um, I, I, I wouldn't have changed anything that I ever did. And like I said, I can look back on a lot of things saying, man, that was, that's kind of a crazy, like, you know, taking that independent job for half the salary with mm-hmm. a baby on the way and a new wife. And yeah, it's, it's something, I don't know if I could do it now, you know what I mean? But yeah, time that was just, I had, I was driven to do something. And I think that that's what's turned me into what I am today. And I, th- I feel like I'm in a pretty good spot as far as, you know, my career as a coach um, and, a, and a father and a husband. And I think that, uh, you know, things could have turned out a lot differently if I made some different decisions, you know, back in high school, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to parties because I was so focused on playing football and baseball. I didn't, I wasn't social. I didn't have many girlfriends and I wasn't doing all these things because I was focused on what I was doing. And that's, and that's okay. But you know, when I look back on it and going to college, I could have gone to a lot more parties. I could have had a, <laughs> a blow, right. Yeah. But yeah. You know, everything in life, just like in baseball, there's there's a bunch of priorities, but you have to prioritize those priorities. And, you know, you're going to have to make sacrifices to get some things that you want. And it just it just you have to figure that out on your own, what you're willing to sacrifice to get, you know, to where you want to go. Would you say that you mentioned it earlier about self-evaluating? And I feel like that's one of the biggest things in baseball is like China is trying to have learn how to do it properly because you said it early you said it to just you can beat yourself up sometimes and really try to like reinvent the wheel when sometimes that's like you just need to keep going forward so how have you figured out how to self-evaluate most efficiently i think that you know the, the best you know as a player would be, you know, your teammates and and even more so the guys you're playing against. And I think that, you know, one of the messages I have with, with the Giants players in the minor leagues is, you know, you are playing for the San Francisco Giants. That's who you're signed with. But the team we're actually playing for is the Richmond Flying Squirrels. And you're really showcasing yourself for all 30 major league teams. So you need to evaluate, you know, your position that you play. And sometimes with the giants, you know, these guys are playing multiple positions more so than other clubs. So, you know, are you able to dominate, let's say you're playing shortstop that night and we're playing against the Erie sea wolves of the tigers organization. You know, are you better than that shortstop? Like when you watch him play, do you think that he's better than you? And it's okay. Like, I think too many times we're, we're too confident in ourselves or, or clouded by what we're doing to really see, you know, what's happening and then how you stack up against some of these other, these other players, like, you know, good example, Jackson holiday. We played against him a little bit this, this year, you know, he was the number one pick 19 years old in double a and in the Eastern league, which in my opinion is the best league in minor league baseball um, with all the prospects and all the, all the, the talent that's in the league. And, you know, he's a 19 year old shortstop holding his own hitting really well, you know, and, and we have a shortstop on our team that, you know, are you looking at him and, and seeing you're 24, 25 years old, you know, are you better than him right now? Cause if you're not, then we got, we got to work. You got to work mm-hmm. a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. So I think that being able to, to, I think judge other players. And I think me as a player, I probably never did it. And um, I think that if you could put your coaching hat or scouting hat on as a player and really kind of see, well, what are they, what are they seeing this guy? He's, he's, he was the number one pick you know, what is he doing that, that makes him this, like, why is he a number one pick in all of baseball and, um, and see like the things that he's doing. And it's not going to happen 
and for him, like it wasn't just one thing, like, oh, this one at bat and he hits a home run on an up and in fastball or whatever it was. It's the consistency over time that he continues to do the right things over and over. And he's always in the right spot defensively. He's not, you know, rushing throws and throwing them into the stands and, you know, letting the crowd in Richmond, which is the best crowd I've ever been in front of as far as a player or a coach you know, and they're coming into our place and it's loud and it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's close to like a big league experience as I can imagine and just playing cool. Like, so being able to like look at other players on the team you're with, like taking ground balls, you know, I'll go back to another good example. When I went to Northwood as a freshman and I wasn't the everyday shortstop, but I worked out every day with the shortstop, Mike Bouton, who got drafted. So I'm thinking, well, I, I want to be, the starter so i've got to be better than this guy every day taking ground balls not be bitter i'm not getting a shot because coach doesn't like me and he likes him like that's not the way to think about it and i think too many times we think about those things that way and it's it's not it's nothing that you know you you're doing wrong it's just the wrong mentality right so i made shirts this year for our guys that said think different like you have to think differently about where you're at and what's around you and how how are you going to get to where you want to go? And, you know, for me, it's not about self-evaluating to say whether you're good enough or not, like I did when I played. Now it's about, am I willing to keep sacrificing the things that I'm sacrificing or do I need to sacrifice more to get to the spot that I want to be, right? Mm-hmm. And then while you're doing that, these people that are around you that are going after the same spot you are, are you better than them? And if you're not, how do I get better than them? It's, it's hard to do, right, is to yeah. compete right next to the guy that has your spot. Because, yeah. I mean, I've been around youth baseball for the last, you know, the last three, four years, and I think that's one of the things that is, uh, and I don't know if how familiar you are with youth baseball right now. It's kind of, it's been a little clouded just because everyone wants to go and play for their own team because then they'll play instead of, like, competing for, a spot in an organization and you see it with the, the uh, transfer portal, right? Yep. Instead, instead of putting your nose in the dirt, it's just easy to just, all right, just head on to the next spot. Yep. And, and you're just hoping and praying that you're going to have an opportunity there, yep. even though there's still going to be somebody that's going to outwork you most likely. And yep. I, I know for parents, uh, parents of young players, they don't, they don't want to hear the truth as far as that goes, like they don't want to hear like, well, you're not, your son's not good enough. He needs to work. He needs to work harder. Right. But that's the rea- That's the reality. Like you said, is, is, is that guy willing to work outwork the guy that's ahead of him? Nope. And then uh, on, you know, on top they, of that, they can all say yes, but are they going to do it? Are they, are they going to do it? And on top of that, just because you outwork them, this day or this week or this month doesn't mean you're going to get there then either. Sometimes it takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And are you willing to sacrifice that time to continue to work harder than the next guy? So I, I can go back to like when I was it went to Arlington Bowie, um, you know, as a sophomore, I made the varsity team and it was very like, I'm like, I, I felt intimidated. I felt uh, like, man, these guys hate me. I took the senior's spot. I was a starting shortstop as a sophomore and really, really tough, a lot of pressure. Right. And one of the things I always told myself, and I think the reason why I've got that, that spot wasn't because I was necessarily better than the guy at the time, but 
my work ethic. And like what I told myself in high school was anytime we did any kind of running and back then it was a lot more running than it is now. I think, you know, they make you just run poles. I think the coaches are just like to just take a break and let you run poles for, you know, a half hour or whatever. Cause we messed up on the field, which I had a zero problem with when I was a player, but I always told myself, I'm going to be the first one. Like, it doesn't matter. Like I may not be the fastest guy on the team, but I'm going to be first. I'm going to, I'm going to finish whatever task that we have, as far as running, I'm going to finish it first. I could never say that I was going to field every ground ball and this guy wasn't. I could never say I was going to get a base hit on every BP thrown pitch or hit a home run on every, you know, pitch in BP, but I could always, and it goes back to the the thing that you, that coaches talk about and I always heard them say it. And I was like, ah, you can control effort and hustle. And it's always, it's always that cliche that they always say, and it's like, ah, you know, I get it. I get it. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I already hearing it, but it's the truth. Like, in the running, I could, I could, I could mentally outlast everybody on the team in the running. So I told myself, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be the very best at this. And it's kind of, like I said, prioritizing those priorities. And if I did that, and it, it, at first, when I started doing that, I remember these guys like, Hey, you're making us look bad. You're making us look bad. And I said, well, I'm not trying to make you look, I'm trying to make you better. So keep up, you know? And uh, so it caused a few problems that way, but like, Again, what are you willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to do? And like you said, when you when you talk about the transfer portal or the youth baseball going to different teams, and which is all fine for the moment, like you may get on a team and you're going to play every day and you're going to be the player that you're supposed to be. But eventually, if you want to be the best in the world, you want to be elite, you want to be in the big leagues, you're going to have to run into those same guys that you're running away from. And, you know, a better time for you to figure out if you're good enough or not is when you're in youth baseball, when you're in high school, when you're in mm-hmm. college, like, Let's see what kind of what kind of man you are, what kind of person you are, you know, because because women can play too now, right? So, like, what kind of person are you? Are you going to just run from all these things? And that's going to show that's going to show up in your life too. You're going to run away from some things that sometimes you you got to meet head on to see to see how good you are, to see mm-hmm. if you can survive some things. And I think that uh, you know more people with that mentality would is going to make for a, mo- a lot more competitive game and, and competitive life. Yeah, and that's, I think that's what it all comes down to is just competing. If you want to compete or if you want to be any good at anything, you got to, bottom line, you have to compete. And it could be literally anything, you know. Um, I, I just wrote down, and I don't know if you still use this term a lot or, or anything, but I remember you used to always say, uh, you know, don't have that false confidence. That's what I, I, I remember you always you would always beat that in our head. Yeah. Yeah. You can never um, lie to yourself, right? Like yeah, you can, yeah. you can try to lie to the people around you about how confident you are, but deep down, you know, like, Oh man, this guy's going to strike me out mm-hmm. or, you know, what, you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So just, just be confident in yourself and the work that you're putting in. I think that, you know, it's really easy to say, Hey, you know, you got to have all the confidence in the world when you're facing this guy or, you know, this and that. But I think that confidence comes from the work, like, the work that you put in, if you're putting in work and in your member, like I made you guys, we hit BP every day, yep. every day on the field. And I think that, you know, pants when I signed and everything, yeah, pants, we wore pants and, you know, it was just one of the things like that's part of the discipline part of it, whether the pants were because I wanted to be a drill sergeant or not, it was just, it was just something that I wanted everybody to do. And, and it's, it's, it had no other reason other than us just looking good together and like feeling good together. And, you know, and I remember, probably signing you i told you i didn't tell you hey you're going to come in and be the everyday right fielder hitting in the three hole 
you're going to come here and you're going to work and, you know, we're going to put you where we feel like you're best suited for yourself and the team. And, you know, you're going to have to earn your job basically every day. And it's, that's what independent baseball is really. And it's, and it was really cool having you come in and you were very confident in yourself and, and it showed and then you were just yourself. And I think that, I think that's what too many times coaches take away those things from the players by, you know, making players do certain things. Um, you know, this is how you need to field a ground ball, or this is how you need to, to catch a fly ball. And I don't think I ever one time went up to you and said, Hey, I need you to catch the ball with two hands or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it was just the work, like you work yeah. to get better and that's it. And and I'm going to provide you with the tools to be able to do that, but it's ultimately up to you. And, and it's the same conversation I have with these guys in double a, you know, they're basically two steps from the big leagues. And I said, Hey, we're going to work every day. I'm going to be here every day. The coaching staff, we're going to have everything available to you every single day. It's up to you what you get out of it. Like if you want to come out and half-ass the work, then you're probably going to be half-ass successful, right? So, yeah. and and even then, if you work and bust your tail and it work really good that day, it doesn't mean you're going to go four for four that night. Like you have to understand it's a time thing and it's, it builds on top of each other. So if you can make that discipline just like brushing your teeth every single day if you can have discipline to brush your teeth every single day you can do the same thing you wear pants to bp you can you know really take 15 minutes and focus in on your ground ball work or your fly ball work and you know all those little things all those little things add up and i think that you know that that says it all right there if you have false confidence it tells me a couple things that you're not putting in very good work and you're trying to hype yourself up to to be something that you're not mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. never going to be successful for any player. Or, you know, if you're a CEO of a, of a company, it's not going to be successful because people see right through it. And I think that having confidence comes from the type of person and the type of work that you're putting in. You know, a lot of times confidence, true confidence goes with no words, right? Like you don't have to yep. say anything. You just do your job and move on. That's uh, it. That's I, really what you- that's where that's what you were as a player. You didn't really say much. You just came to yeah. the VR, did your stuff, and it was fun to watch. Yeah, and it it, it was, you know, I go back, dude. I, I go back to those last, you know, my two years in Indie Ball, and those were really two of my best, well put to, together years of my entire career. Like I, I always had, I always had a couple tools in my tool bag uh, but i felt like the two years i was there not only i wasn't a school i wasn't a school junkie so going to school and playing baseball was tough for me like once i had that freedom of not going to school and and just playing baseball i definitely felt uh, more at ease and <clears throat> taking care of my like that was a big thing that i, that I took on was taking care of my stretching the, t- the two years I was there and taking care of my body and making sure that I was making sure that was the number one goal at, you know, at, at hand every day I'd stretch multiple times a day. And it, it, it ended up showing like I went in 2019 and I, I don't know if you remember this when I was struggling a little bit and I had worked my ass off over the off season, like trying to fix some things. And, and that was the most I ever worked in the off season. And that's how I felt. And I went in that year. I was like, man, I'm about to just freaking go off to start <laughs> yeah. out with. Yeah. And nothing was, and it wasn't working. Like I was, I remember sure. I was, le- I was leading the league in walks, but I just, I was hitting like one 
fifty or something like that, and yeah. just nothing was working. And then, and this is why I appreciate you and uh, you and Drew especially. Like, there was so many conversations I was having with y'all, and, and at that point, I wasn't, I wasn't really frustrated. And that's that's hard for me to say because I am competitive. So like, you know, if I'm frustrated, like some people, they'll, they'll know. But yeah. also, I wasn't doubting myself. I was just kind of questioning, like, what's going on? Yeah. And it goes with the work, right? It, it, I I felt like I did everything necessary to put in the work. I just, for some reason, it wasn't happening. So that's why I, I ended up having so many conversations with you and Drew, and then. I remember one time uh, it was in Washington and me and Drew were hitting for the game and, and we had been trying to like think about tweaking some things. I That was when I was like hitting like kind of like Jock Peterson a little bit. Like I had that set up. Yeah. Yeah. And that game, I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go away from it. Go back to what I was doing in 2018. And then I hit a, a bomb that game and i think i went uh two for three or something like that with a double and then that's when everything clicked and it was just like it was i guess it was it was not putting too much stock into the changes that i made and then just going back and just playing yeah and i think that you know also probably you know all the work that you'd put in to get there you wanted that result like right then and you, you felt confident in it, which is fine, but it wasn't happening. And it makes it really easy to kind of go away from that. I'm pretty sure, you know, we had the conversation here. Fine. Like you're just keep doing your thing. Yeah, it's going to oh, work for sure. Work. For sure. And, and, you know, cause you were having the good at bats and it just, it just wasn't happening. And then, you know, whether that was the reason you thinking to change back to 2018, maybe you did change a little bit, but in my opinion, I don't think it was anything other than just, taking the pressure off like it's i'm i'm just i'm just gonna do my thing like you know what i mean and and i've put in the work to be able to play and i think that's where players get a little misconstrued as well as you know they go off season and maybe this one swing change or one throwing mechanic thing and they feel really good about it inside you know in the loud you know inside the tunnel inside is you know where all the work's happening and it feels really good it looks really good and then you get out in the open space and it's not quite the same and it's very easy to quickly go down a rabbit hole and feel what's going on. I did all this. I was felt this. Why can't I feel this again? And, and instead of just saying, Hey, it's just part of, part of it, right? Like it's, it's just part of it. And, and eventually I'm confident in myself. I know it's going to work and it's just going to happen. And then all you said in Washington, boom, you get the home. I believe it was a two run homer to give us the lead. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was and, later in the game. Yeah, yeah, late in the game, and and uh, and then from there, you know, you can look up the numbers. They were they're pretty good. They were pretty yeah, good. So, dude, I I was on fire for a whole month. Like, yeah, and it's just it's just about being patient. It really yeah. is, and it's you know, and I know it's it's really hard to say, and it's really really easy to say to be patient, and really easy to you know say everything's going to work out, and it's really easy to stick with it. Say stick with it. But while you're going through it, it's one of the hardest things that anybody could ever go through. And that's what makes it so special too, right? Like, because it's just like life. Sometimes, a lot of the times you don't get what you want and, you know, you could prep all you want for the, for the job of your dreams, ready for this resume. And then boom, they say, Hey, we're going to go in a different direction. It's like, you know, what, Mm -hmm. you know, like, 
I was ready. I was this and that. And, and it just happens. It happens to everybody. It doesn't mean that it's over. It doesn't mean that your work wasn't good. It just, it just means it's not your time. And, and that's really what it is. So that's a cool story. I, I, I remember that. I remember you struggling early and, you know, there was never talk in our coach's office about, you know, moving you down the order, not playing you anything like that, because, you know, we know the type of player that you were, and it was just a matter of time. And, and sometimes players just have bad seasons. It just happens, yeah, you know, yeah. and just look at the big, you know, Cody Bellinger, right. Had a horrible season last year and this year he's having a great season, you know, and it's like, it just, it just happens. And it's very easy for fans to, to jump off the bandwagon too. You know, and it's like, I, what I, what I really loved about Florence was we could be playing really bad baseball, but they were always still behind us. And, you know, oh, yeah. they, under, they understood where we were going and what we were uh-huh. trying to accomplish. And at the end of the season, every year we were right there. So I think that, you know, it's a testament to the players and the, and the culture that you guys created in the clubhouse. And, you know, and it goes back to just freeing it up and being yourself and like, believing in the work that you're doing and having yeah. that confidence in the work that you put in. Yeah, and the culture the culture to me is everything in all aspects of of life. I mean, if if your company has bad culture, you're not going to succeed and it it was one of those things that I felt so at home being in in Florence like I I didn't feel like I was out of place at all like I mean it, it was it was a great environment and dude and it goes from it it goes from you like the head coach the the manager the guy that's in charge like it does go from you but i know it wasn't like one of those things like you were forcing to happen it was just organically happening because yeah. of of how you you know how, how you showed up to work every day yeah. um yeah. man yeah i just I, I really appreciate those two years for sure dude it was yeah, a good time I- I loved it. Um, let me. See. I got a couple more questions. Uh, I know we kind of like just we're filling in some things. Um, I think you've 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 basically hit on this one. Is what truly separates it? And you've seen guys advance. You've seen guys. Careers end, you know, now now at your level that you're at. Like I'm sure every year you're seeing that. Whether yeah. it's a guy hanging up the cleats or a guy, you know, something finally clicking for that dude. In your perspective, like what do you what do you think it is that separates the guys that go go to the next step and make it to the big leagues versus the guys that end up, you know, calling it quits? Yeah, I mean it's it's a really fine, thin line. I think that, you know, sometimes it's, it's the, the coaches that you have around, um, again, trying to, you know, enforce a lot of different things to, to make players be a certain way. And this is what I love about the giants, you know, our, our farm director, Kyle Haynes allows us to, to coach the way that, you know, we want to coach and it's, it's, we don't have these certain certain criteria that we have to kind of hit with every player. You have to take X amount of swings and he's got to make, take swings like this. And we were allowed the freedom to, to allow these guys to, to be themselves and, and trust in the work that they've put in. So I think that, you know, when I got to Richmond, there were, you know, there's, there's a couple of players that come to mind when I, when we talk about that, but, 
you know, I've, I've had to release guys and basically their careers are over. Um, I've got to send guys up to AAA. I haven't sent anybody directly to the big leagues yet, but we had, I think five, maybe six guys this year that started the season with us or that were were in Richmond at some point this year that made their major league debuts this year. And over the last two years, um, you know, there's been 11 or 12 guys that made their major league debut this year, whether with the Giants or someone else that, mm-hmm. that came through Richmond. And um, I think it's just unlocking the guys. And I've had this conversation with in team meetings with our guys. And I probably told you this too, in team meetings in Florence that in the big leagues, everybody here, the things that you bring to the table, that, that person, that player is in the big leagues for some club, you know, whether it's your, you know, 92 mile an hour two seam or your excellent change up or, you know, your ability to hit the all fields or your defensively, your arm, whatever it is, like there's attributes that each player has, on our team in Richmond this year. And every single one of those has a place in the big leagues. And the, and the Mm. difference is the consistency in the work and the patience and understanding that, Hey, this is the work that I'm putting in here is the path to the big leagues. Now at the end of the day, it comes down to somebody's opinion on whether you can do it or not. Um, you know, in the front office at the, at the higher levels, because sometimes there's players that, like yourself, for example, never got an opportunity in affiliate baseball. And I think that you would, if you played for me in Richmond, you'd tear it up. You you would, you would destroy the league. I think you would be a great player and probably make it to the big leagues. But unfortunately you just never got the opportunity mm-hmm. and it's, it's not a fault of anybody's including yourself. Yeah. Just like I tell the players, it's like, it's not your fault. There's only so many spots, first of all, and somebody's opinion that's, in that spot has to say, yeah, let's do this. Right. So I think that when you can kind of break it down like that to players, because too many times players just don't know, they just, they don't know what, Hey, what do I need to do? And the answer is just be you like be as consistent (laughs) as you can and try to get better at what you do. And that's it. Cause you, you, what you bring to the table is in the big leagues. It's just a matter of finding that path to get there. And it's different for everybody. And I think that when you start opening up, you know, the doors like that and, and the windows. So all the information is there. It's basically up to you. And then at the end of the day, it's 50, 50, you're either going to make it or you're not. And that's it. That's, that's all it can be. So at that point, knowing that information, you can put in the best possible work for the next five years and still not make it. That's, that's a hard thing to do too. But if you're willing to bet on yourself and sacrifice for the next five years, understanding that even your workout things are going to have to evolve a little bit, right? Like for you, the stretching and taking care of your body, which is a huge, huge component that youth baseball, high school baseball, college baseball really doesn't even get into until probably now it's starting to, to kind of get big, yeah. especially the diet and, and things like that. Whereas like understanding those things have to be added into your regimen. And are you a good enough self-evaluator to look back at the season looking at the numbers that you put up, do I need to change? Or is this just like a, a bad year for me? But my, I believe in what I'm doing and continue on that path. And I think that what separates big leaguers from guys that aren't big leaguers is the commitment to their craft, to their career, prioritizing those priorities, making those decisions and those sacrifices, being away from the family, not going 
on a date with your girlfriend because, hey, I got to go get my swings in because this is the only time I have to do it or whatever it is, or not going hanging out with the buddies at a bachelor party and, you know, getting drunk, maybe going just having two beers and then having to leave, like, you know, making some of those type of sacrifices. And it has to happen every single day, not just today and tomorrow. And then it should happen for me. It's got to happen possibly for years before it, before it changes. But there's, there was a, there was a player last year that I had that, you know, I don't want to say the giants wrote him off, but it was, you know, basically counting down the days until he probably wasn't going to be a player anymore. And now, you know, he's put himself into a position, started playing a different position, dominating it, put himself in a position this year to where if the giants don't resign him, that another team's going to resign him and he, he'll probably be in the big leagues. And, and, you know, he had a conversation with me just, you know, thanking me for allowing him to be himself. And I'm like, nobody, you shouldn't thank anybody for that. You should always be yourself. Right. And I think that that's where we get away from it a little bit. So just allowing the players to unlock their potential while they're on the field. And, you know, I think that, you know, you can attest to this, you know, in Florence, I never gave any signs at third base because I didn't want to control the game. I don't want to control it. I want you guys to play the game this year in Richmond. I've gave zero signs at third base. Like I'm the only coach I've ever seen not give signs, but my reasoning is because I want the players to learn the game and play the game. And there's things we talk about all the time. Hey, man, if it gets first and second here, when you get up, you're up third this inning, go ahead and try to lay a bunt down. But you also have the freedom to slash and you have the freedom mm-hmm. to do some other things too. Like, but no steel signs, no, nothing. Like yeah. we're, I want you to play the game, be yourself. Let's, let's figure it out. Maybe you make some mistakes, but that's the only way you're going to learn. Yeah. It's, it's providing the suggestions and guidance, right? Um, right. It's funny that, and I guess I didn't, I don't know if I tailored my coaching style to, to you or, or what, because when I was coaching travel ball, I didn't call any pitches. I didn't call any, I never called signs. And it was just like you said, just, just giving them the the freedom. Like, Hey dude, it's open. If you want it, you know, do it. If you want, if you don't, I'm not going to be mad. Um, play the game and, and i see six u seven u kids the coaches are over there freaking <laughs> you know doing all that crap and kid doesn't even know how to wipe his own ass like <laughs> you know exactly. and, and i i don't know man i i just uh, there's something to that that allows like you said it just allows them to play allows them to to, to screw up on their own accord and then learning from it yeah. learn from it right and that's the thing like you know the next day you say hey man I really thought you should have safety squeezed there. We were ready for it. Third, what, what were you thinking? He's like, oh, yeah, you know, probably I didn't think about it. And the next time he gets that situation, two weeks later, boom, it's, it's beautiful. Like, And that's the way it should happen. And I think that, you know, obviously at the major league level, it is about winning, and and um, which, you know, I can tell you right now, and you probably know me better than anybody, I want to win too. But I think it's also about developing the players in the best that they can be. And if you do that, you're going to win a lot of games. And I think – you know, at the major league level, I don't have any issues with them giving signs and controlling the game a little bit um, because, you know, jobs are at stake from a coaching side, you know, if you don't win games. So, but again, even then, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I've thought about this a lot because, you know, one of the things that I really want to do, I, I would love to manage in the big leagues. I don't, being a good self-evaluator, I don't know that I'll ever get that opportunity just because I, I've never played affiliated baseball. I, I don't have the connections. I'm not about you know, buddy, buddy, making friends with everybody that I run across. I'm, I'm there to beat you every day. So talking mm-hmm. to the other teams and other coaches really just doesn't happen with me. But 
but I do think that I could coach in the big leagues and I want to coach, you know, one of the questions in my interview for the giants was, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? And I said, you know, coaching third base for the giants. And you tell Ron Wotus, I'm coming for his job because that's who was coaching third base at the time. And a great story with Ron Wotus. I love the guy. The first time I ever had a conversation with him, we were in the shower in spring training. And I said, Hey, I said, you know, I'm Dennis Pelfrey. And I said, I just want to let you know, like in my interview and I hope, you know, I wonder if, I don't know if anybody told you this or not, and I hope he didn't take it the wrong way, but you know, I was asked where I want to be. And I told him that story and he laughed. He's like, yeah, good. I want you coming for it. But he, he's now just an advisor for us, for the giants. So he roves around and comes. So it was a really cool story, but that's what I would want to be. But if I was managing in the big leagues, I don't, I think one, I think I would coach third base because I think nobody's better than me coaching third base. And two, I don't think I would give signs either. I would run it exactly the same way I did in Florence, which is exactly how I do it here in Richmond. And I think I would run it the exact same way in San Francisco um, if, if I was the manager there or wherever I was managing in the big leagues. And then if I'm coaching third base for the Giants or, you know, whoever it is, I would ask them, hey, can I can we run it like this? And if you're going to be in the dugout, explain to the guys what you want them to do so I don't have to tell them. I, like, I want to be at third base watching. Like, I like to watch the show. I want you to put on a show. You're an entertainer, you know, the mm-hmm. players. That's exactly what you are. And yeah. even at the lowest levels, you are an entertainer. People come to watch you play. And most of the time in youth baseball, they're paying to get in to watch you play in a tournament all day long. Yep. So perform, like be an entertainer, be that that actor, so to speak. And I think when you can do that and look at it that way, it takes some of that pressure off you as an individual. If you can look at it as being, you know, that entertainer. And I think, you know, we've had those conversations in Florence too. Like it's, it's like a movie almost. It's where you get to be this character on the field. And this is the perception that the fans yep. and everybody have you. And then when you come in the clubhouse, you can just be Ricky. Like, and then just, that's why the clubhouse was so good. Cause we never really brought anything back into the clubhouse, whether it was a good day or a bad day. It doesn't matter if yeah. it's a good day. Awesome. But when you get back to the clubhouse, it's still just you, you yeah. know, if it's a bad day, same thing. So I think that some of those things are uh, kind of, and, and I understand some of it too. And I'm not saying the way I do it is the best way, but to me, the only way to learn is to go through, you got to go through some bad stuff. You've got to get fired from a job. You've got to, you know, not the girl's got to tell you, no, if you ask her to go out, right. You want to be my girlfriend. And sometimes you got to go through that. Right. But you can't be afraid to ask. Right. And you can't be afraid to go after it. And, and knowing that sometimes you're going to get knocked down, just, you know, how quick you're going to get back up. Yeah. I think micromanaging is, is what's hampers any development. It's, and it's like you said, it's not it's not that there's a, a true right or wrong way to do it. It's just uh, when 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 you watch kids playing, you know, wiffle ball in the yard, like they're having they're having a blast and they're probably playing better than they would in a, in a in an actual game because they're not adding any unnecessary pressure or they're not feeling like they have to do something. Yeah. And, and it's it's even adults. I mean, even adults, they're going to act that way too. Like if, if I, if I'm forced to do something, I'm going to be like, ah, you know, I, like, I, I don't know. Like, or, but if I'm going to do it on my own, I have that extra confidence in that I'm exactly. going to do it however I want to do it, you know, and, and get it done. And the beauty there's, of there's, coaching. There's a lot yeah. to that. Yeah. Yeah. The beauty of coaching is to allow those things to happen in a, con- mm-hmm. in a controlled environment, but where I think, instead of using the word control, it's just communication, right? Mm-hmm. If you can, if you're a good communicator, you don't need to micromanage anything. And I think yeah. that that's going into the first day when I called you, you know, out of the Pecos league, 
you know, first trying to get your manager to let you come and then telling you like, this is how it's going to be here. And, and the money is going to be the money. Like there's no, you know, nego- like Jose Brizuela, for example, he turned down a lot more money to go to Winnipeg to come to Florence. And, you know, because of what I was provide, what I was offering and, and like, be truthful and communicate. And this is the expectation and this is what we're going to be doing here. Yeah. And if you like it, come on, if not go somewhere else, that's fine too. Like, and I think that that's part of it as well. Right. So communicating, understanding, like it's, it's, it's an environment that has some control, but a lot of freedom within there. Right. And the control comes from conversations, right? Like you said, the communication, yeah. uh, as far as practices go, you know, during season, what are y'all doing on off days? Like what's, what's your go-to on an off day? So it's beautiful now in, in affiliated ball where they have every Monday off, like we had in, in, uh, mm-hmm. in Florence, but the difference is we play six game series. So in Florence, you remember we'll play Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, then travel somewhere and play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So mm-hmm. there was no like travel in the middle. All the travel is either done on Monday or Tuesday mornings um, to go oh, play. Okay. Or you, you know, when you drive home Sunday after a game. So when I talk to these guys, the the expectations and the the amount of work time that I, you know, tell them is going to happen each day, I tell them take Mondays, like take it off, just like we did in Florida. Like I don't really don't want you to come field. If you want to come up here and play some catch or whatever, some of the pitchers, you know, would come up every Monday to play catch or whatever. But I told you know take it off, go fishing, go do you know whatever because you're so dialed in for six days on what you're trying to accomplish that you need some break. Like, and it's, it's okay to do that. Go, go have a pizza and go have a couple beers on Monday. Just use that as a reset day and, or a cheat day, so to speak, you know, if you're on a diet or whatever. So like, I think that from our standpoint, basically I ran it real similar to how I do in Florence. Only I give a few more option type stuff. So I call it, you know, BP buffet or I call it hitty practice now. So when I came up with that shirt, it's talked about thinking differently instead of this year, instead of calling it batting practice, we called it hitting practice because we want hitters, not batters. Right. So, and that was kind of a huge, huge thing for me this year to change the terminology. It's me. It means the same thing, but it changes the focus and the out, you know, the outlook on the players. They really bought into it and loved it. So, um, but basically what I did was Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays were full team BP or HP hitting practice on the field with uh, a team defense. And that always involved like a pitcher, you know, PFP period on Tuesdays. On Thursdays, it was control the running game at first base. And on Saturdays, it was control the running game at second base. And that never really changed. It was always that. Now we would change some of the things we did for those things. Um, you know, whether it was the rounds we took for, for eight, for hitting practice or machine or arm, sometimes we did both, you know, we do a round of arm, round of machine, round of arm, then they got to pick and, um, some different things. And like on Saturdays we would do like, um, two rounds of like three or four to get loose. And then we do like five or six rounds of one and we do counts like, Oh, oh, count for this one. And they get, you know, boom. And then it would go to like two, two or one, one, two, two Mm -hmm. full count and just throw out some situations and do some of those things and try to change up the monotony a little bit. But at the end of the day, baseball is monotonous and it's, it's, you know, sometimes we overthink it and we try to create all these different things to where we're, we're changing the competitiveness of hitting practice when hitting practice is really, you you just 
getting a feel for what your swing feels like that day. Cause you know, you may not be able to take your A swing that night because you don't feel as good. So now we got to figure out what, what the B swing is or the C swing or whatever you want to call it. Right. Yeah. Uh, so those days would be full, you know, defensive days and we'd have some type of team defense. And, and then on Wednesdays and Fridays we would do, um, I called it hitters option. Defense was never optional. We always did defense, some kind of defense, but it was individual defense for infielders, individual defense for outfielders, individual defense for catchers. And then we had a slot, a 40 minute slot on the field for anybody that wanted to hit on the field. And they had the option. Did they want machine? Did they want arm? Whatever they wanted their rounds to be, whatever. This is the time slot we had. And then, then we had a cage slot. So they got to pick either cage or field. And then on Sundays or day games, anytime we played a day game, it was a full option. So defense was optional, but we'd always have a time slot for it if they wanted anything. And then they could choose field or cage, or they could hit both too. They could hit on the field and in the cage or nothing at all. So that was like the, the blueprint of our daily day to day stuff. Obviously it would change from time to time. Like we went through a stretch um, where we were home for a week in Richmond. It gets pretty humid there. Not like it does in Houston or, you know, in Texas, but pretty humid and hot for a week. So we did a full option for the whole week just to make sure guys were hydrating and taking care of their body. But I always said this, and you can ask any of them that have played for me, you know, the work is the most important thing. It's more important than the game. Your work is what's going to get you to the big leagues, not the game. And when we get to the game, that's when we just have fun. Let's just play backyard baseball. Just get after it. And, uh, you know, we've got to dominate the guys on the other side. You have to dominate the guy at your position on the other side. Yeah, That's it. Yeah. So, um, fortunately, we had a really good culture, a really good clubhouse. You know, like I've been very fortunate in my career as a manager to, to have every single year has always been a really good clubhouse. And the guys just get after it and they want to work. And, you know, whether that's me or the coaching staff or, you know, the type of guys that we have, it's it's a really cool thing to, to be a part of. And, um, and it's really special to see that, you know, our team this year, we were the best team in the Eastern League uh, from Jan- from June 18th to the end of the season as far as wins and losses, which was incredible. And uh, second best team in all of AA in that span. And for the amount of movement that we had, sending guys up, um, and basically a whole new team every month, yeah. it, it was pretty cool to see different guys coming in and just kind of buying into what we were doing and falling right in and being comfortable and, you know, not taking too long at all to, to get acclimated to the league, which was a really good league. And that's why it's so important for the culture, right? Cause not, nothing changes for you guys. It's just different, different players, different guys out yep. there. It's just, you know, maintaining that culture is, is massive. Um, yep. And I think that too, like if you're, if you're true, truthful with what you're talking about and yeah. you communicate well, like for me, I had a whole new coaching staff last year. So in 21 in Eugene, you know, it was a brand new coaching staff for me. I'd never coached any of those guys before. We won a championship. And then I get moved to Richmond. My staff's entirely new. Not one of those guys came with me from Eugene mm-hmm. and we made the playoffs. You know, it was awesome. First time since 2000 and 2008, I think for Richmond. Oh, to wow. make the it's been a long time. We made the playoffs. It was awesome. And then this year we had a couple of new, new staff members come in and we still, you know, did the same thing. So I think, like you said, it doesn't really matter um, for me who I'm, who I'm with or who I'm coaching as far as players or staff. Um, as long as I continue to communicate really well with, 
yeah. the expectations of what we're trying to accomplish, I think it, it works really well. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I, I, I don't, I really don't think, man, I don't think there's much more I, as far as, I, I know you mentioned the early work stuff. Uh, who's your, who's y'all's infield guy who, who works with that, those guys? Lipso Nava is the name. He's right. been in the generation for a long time. Awesome guy. Um, and again, he's, he's like, he's a worker. He's, he's a little bit older than me, but you get on the field, throws pretty good BP, not quite as good as me, but pretty good BP. It's hard to do, man. That's hard to do. <laughs> but he, uh, you know, he takes care of all the infielders and, you know, for me, how I, how I operate and I had Lipso was with me in 21 as well. And then last okay. year he was managing in San Jose. Um, so he's kind of been like a Swiss army knife for, for the giants and some different roles. He's managed a few different times. He's been the fundamental coach a few different times. I think he's been a hitting coach a couple of times. So he's very good. He's, he's got a good broad spectrum of, of what he can do on the field. And mm-hmm. uh, he coached first base for me too, which is a really important spot for me because I have to, I need to have a really good first base coach to, to operate the way that I want to operate with the running game and things like that controlled over there on his side and giving those guys information um, but yeah, he did a, he did a really good job. And, um, you know, one of the best ones that, you know, I can tell you is Marco Luciano, who was, you know, our top, you know, position player prospect for a while here since I've been in the organization. And, you know, he got to us this year and he turned him into a pretty good shortstop with the work that we were doing. And, you know, he's in the big leagues now, hit a double last night to win the game for him. So, I mean, uh, yeah, good. I yeah he's, he's good. And, you know, again, at the end of the day, it's the players, but, I think him understanding me and, and the expectations we have, and he's a worker. So I think it goes hand in hand with uh, the success that some of these guys have because of, mm-hmm. of the type of environment that we bring, but he, he was awesome. Lipso was a great one. It's definitely good, man. It's, it's, it's great to be able to uh, allow the guys to, to be free and play the way that they want and, and, and have that positivity around them before they make it or, or you know, on their way to the big leagues. Cause they don't want, you know, you guys don't want them to have a rude awakening, not know how to handle things when they get up there because they'll, they'll be sent right back down. And uh, I mean, you got a great thing going, man. And I, I've been following, obviously, I, I, I'm i a huge fan of everyone that's that's killing it right now. I mean, I, there's just so many, so many guys that I've played with or coaches that, uh, that coach me that I, I've just, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I just want to, pick everyone's brain and try to learn more and like i said man i'm kind of like taking a step back but like not really you know i I just i think right now for me the knowledge is what i need to to just soak all in and then for for me personally i'll I'll move forward when the time comes like you said timing's everything yeah maybe you might be still doing this on espn here in a couple yeah who knows dude who knows it's pretty awesome to see you putting this together. I remember seeing it, you know, on Instagram or whatever. I don't get on there a whole lot, but you know, mm-hmm. got to see your posts and stuff like that. So it was it was cool to see what you're doing, and and it's it's really good for for people in general. Just to mm-hmm. you know, whether you're a parent, you know, of a young you know six U player, or you know, a a guy that's in college is one to figure out how to where to go play. We talk about independent baseball, um, so I'm sure people can ask you questions and things like that, and you know, you can either give them answers or bring somebody on to be able to, to answer those oh, yeah. questions for them. And I think it's, it's a really good platform and it's, you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there, but I think that it's when you can, when you can dial into a certain audience and um, 
have a broad spectrum of different people that would, you know, be a part sure, of yeah, that. Yeah. I think because I mean, baseball is in the lives of virtually everybody and in one way or the other. And, and it's just like life. So, I mean, I think it's a really good, a good time for somebody to, you know, kill if they're driving in the car to listen or, you know, oh, if yeah. they have an album, whatever, however long this thing is, uh, just yeah, to, we're yeah. at hour 20. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, I know. Goes, goes by. I know you know me well enough so I can talk a little bit. So I just, <laughs> yeah, I go down these rabbit holes. Again, man, I appreciate it. I, 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 we'll keep in touch. There might be something in the future that, you know, if we can get somebody else on with you and, and we can talk some more about specifics, I'd love to yeah. do that. I, uh, I just want to keep expanding my network and, and through everyone that I've, been in touch with it. That's a big reason, man, that I'm doing this is because I, I do want to bridge that gap of yeah. people that just don't understand what it takes or they don't know the the intricacies that go into this game because I mean it's it's not it's not easy just to wake up and go. There's there's yeah. a lot that goes to it. On the coaching side oh. too, you know? Especially the oh. coaching side. You've got more bodies that you're worried about. Yeah. No, it's it's a really good thing you're doing, man. And like I said, if you have any ideas you want to bounce off me, just uh, sure. just shoot them to me. I'll let you know if it's, I think it's doable or not. And I would love to come back on for whatever you need, man. Oh, yeah. Well, I appreciate you, man. Yeah, you have a good too. one, and, and we'll keep in touch. I hope so. Take care of yourself, Ricky. All right, man. Later. Later.